0: Space is exciting. Republicans seek to take control of the House of
1: Representatives.
2: Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate.
1: A liberal MSNBC hosts warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any
0: sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous
1: with destiny. We well, the fact started. of the matter is the Ruthless Variety program is exciting. Right? And, uh, you know, I know Kamala and Space. Wasn't it Space? Wasn't that the issue that she had when she hired all those people to, like, come in and pretend like they were excited to yeah. listen to her?
2: Yeah, like uh, her, her, like, image branding team or whatever thought, hey, you know, it's a home run. You get a room full of kids. You talk about the moon or whatever. Of course, everyone will have a great time. And still somehow Kamala found a way to make it look. <laughs> extremely awkward and the kids be like I'm bored out of my mind who's a strange lady but
1: then they were also weren't they like they were like actors or they something they were a- child actors yeah, yeah. She, yeah
2: they couldn't they couldn't find like regular kids cuz regular kids were like this lady's weird and yeah. we're not having a good time so like maybe we can find children we can pay to act like Kamala's
3: normal it's, it's like in North Korea where they have to have the fake grocery store
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know
2: you
3: got to have fake kids around to make her look relatable
1: <laughs> empty milk cartons and such <laughs> Uh well welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. We have an important program, a third episode today. Hats off to you fellas. You really yeah. brought the full body of work this week.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I was like, listen, we have a lot of good interviews. Let's just go for three. That's Let's exactly go for what three. that was. We're what you're for the fences. Our listeners deserve the content.
1: I don't know any proponent that we have on the program more excited about three we can episodes do three. than. Hell, oh,
2: we'll do three from now on. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. I'm going to the, replay the tape. Right now. This is good. This is really good. Uh, we have an exciting guest today, uh, Congressman Beth Van Dyne. She's from the great state of Texas. I think you guys probably haven't had an opportunity to get to know her. We get to know her a little bit on the show today. Uh, look, great interview. Good stuff. A lot of important young energy going on in the House of Representatives the likes of which we're going to need if we're going to take.
3: And it's the great thing about the Variety Program. We yeah. get to introduce you to candidates you maybe haven't heard of. Yeah. Um, I heard a little bit of the interview when when you were doing it. Holmes, it sounded great. She sounds great.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Smart, smart lady. And uh, more importantly, an important voice for when we do take the majority. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, should we start with some five stars? These things are just awesome lately. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've really been loving them.
1: Uh, it looks the first one has something to do with your home state, uh, Dunks, so I feel like you need to read it.
3: Okay. All right. Uh, first one here is from Tank Gamer 101. Best program around, bar none, is the title. As a farmer in Hoosierland every Tuesday and Thursday morning, I listen to the program while shoveling manure and slinging hay bales. It's nice having company as the fellows work their way through the D.C. manure pile, tossing us some candy along the way, like the stars of a Midwestern Parade. I like that. Boy, yeah, I'm,
2: I'm loving the imagery. That's nice. All I mean, the way through. Yeah. This guy's yeah. a
3: real poet. Uh, Ruthless ensures, I remember, holidays are for winning. Yeah. Very well, important. Right. While also providing specialized and relevant insight into the animal world, such as Hank the Tank's mob ring <laughs> and the great length zookeepers go to satisfy their avian charges.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a
3: legit poet. <laughs> this, this is, is so great. This is very good. I do have one minor issue to raise. I have yet to see the 15-foot inflatable Kyle Rittenhouse hit your merch store (laughs) (laughs) next Christmas. (laughs) Please remind Duncan to hit the internet button. With the supply chain like it is, he's going to need to get moving if the minions are going to be able to brighten the holidays of our lived neighbors with that treasure. P.S. Tell Smug that while most horses are easy targets, be careful not to let your guard down. I have one sweet-faced mare with more notches in her halter... Then Jen Rubin has brainworms. Wouldn't blame W in the least if he mistook her for a WMD. <laughs> okay,
2: so, so that is like one of the best reviews we've gotten. It's really good, period. fantastic. I mean, it was poetic, and the guy knew what he was talking about. Most horses are easy marks. He knows what he's talking
1: about. It's really good. Uh, this next one is Texas delivery drones by NB two three two three. Visited Granbury, Texas. I. Get to see so I hope I get to see some delivery drones flying around, but sadly there were none. Oh well, at least we know the weddings there are safe. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a listener since day one. Love all the games, jokes, and interviews. Keep up the great work, fellas. Thank you so much, NB. Uh, smug? I got I got one from Betty Draper twenty two. Best program
2: hands down. I first heard about the program last summer when my adult daughters told me about, quote, the best political podcast. Thank you so much. I started listening and was immediately hooked. So funny and so much great political inside information. Now it takes me hours to get through an episode because my friends, who have gotten hooked too, are texting me all morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays, laughing through the episodes over all the funniest lines and games. Thank you so much. That's great. That really, that is so kind. It's the only thing that, uh, that's making this administration bearable, but I've saved the best part for last. I was always shy about my political beliefs and have allowed my liberal brother to bully me for years about how horrible Republicans are. I always told him I don't want to discuss politics, but he would find a way to get in some rude comment <coughs> about Trump or Republicans in general. Finally, in our last conversation, he made a remark about things being Trump's fault, and I said, quote, You want to go there? and unleashed so much good material on him. I had arguments for everything he had to say, and he was left speechless. I own the libs thanks to you. Please do a show in Dallas. Old fashions will be on me. Um, I mean, I have three things. So that is an incredible review. Great review. Great review why we do this. That's 100% why we do this. Totally. Number two, we absolutely are going to do a show in Dallas. Number three, old fashions absolutely are my drink. Totally. I
3: love the whole thing in here. You know, basically what we did is we provided the oppo book, the opposition research. Yeah, that's right. For you to deliver to your lib, your lib relatives. I mean, it's the greatest, I think, public service we can do. It is
1: a public service. I'm glad you've you've presented it that way. Yeah. Because it is. And and the bottom line is, Betty, listen, uh, your congresswoman is on the show yeah here there you go right so your review gets read your congresswoman's on the things are really looking yeah, I mean, up it's like nothing but winning
2: for betty i love Thank it you so much for that
1: i love it betty all right so let's start where we left off last episode you recall we did a very special episode yesterday that included the Taylor the wrens drama right um Bef- right after we were recording all of this, the Washington Post decided to put its own statement out because, frankly, they were getting absolutely ratioed to hell in every platform, right? I mean, that was... Before I get into this, that was the most remarkable display of conservative unity that I've seen in a very long time. Uh, and it's important. It's yeah.
2: very important. Yeah. We can circle the wagons. its uh, I can't remember a time. It feels almost like a sea change to me. That
1: you can't fuck with us. Yeah, you can't
2: fuck with us. Like that, the, the 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 statement of unity that I saw. I mean, it is a beautiful thing.
1: They came for one of ours, and they issued a statement apologizing for one of theirs, basically. Mm. Although they that's didn't, tr- good, they didn't. That's, ap- a, that's a good way to put it. You know, they, they didn't apologize, but they had to put out a statement. So right. here's the statement: Taylor Lorenz. First of all, I just I guess this is mind-boggling that this sentence could be said taylor lorenz is an accomplished and diligent journalist whose reporting methods comport entirely with the washington post professional standards i'm not going to read the name uh that they put into this deal because it is the name of of libs of tiktok that they've outed and i refuse to adhere to their standards. there you go Uh, In her management, they'd say the Libs of TikTok, in her management of Libs of TikTok Twitter account and in media interviews, has had a significant impact on public discourse and her identity had become public knowledge in social media. We did not publish or link to any details about her personal life. Bullshit. It is absolutely false. It's a false statement in so many regards. First of all, the first sentence is a complete and utter Yeah, I mean
2: being forced to call Taylor Lorenz an accomplished and diligent journalist when like the, part of the defense of of her doxing libs of TikTok was they're like oh hey but like you know people had had were starting to put around the name of this person behind the account the previous weekend so that gets rid of the whole diligent journalist because That's because it, it's the same as any other journal these days everything they get is from Twitter and and and, and I've seen some of these ridiculous takes about oh this is shoe leather journalism because she shows up in person to dox and harass family members right no she got all the information sent to her from number one media matters because it was a partisan hit job
1: number two she just found it on twitter and many of you are wondering why we're so invested in this story because i mean literally it's a bad story and there's a million of them and and why it is that we care so much but in this statement it it says in her management of libs of tiktok twitter and in her media interviews. Well, folks, you heard her media interviews last week on the Variety program, right? Right. So they're basically using the interview that she did that you all listened to with Hollywood Hen as a precursor to dox the woman. A justification. It's straight
3: up intimidation. They they really
1: believe that's a justification
3: for outing an anonymous Twitter account.
2: They're like, uh, if you speak your mind publicly, we have a right to intimidate you harass you dox you and try to ruin your life
4: yeah i think i think though what was most shocking about this statement from the washington post was the last sentence and just to remind people what they wrote in the last sentence we did not publish or link any details about her personal life lies that that's that's a dishonest sentence absolute lie and it, it is a scar on the Liar. credibility of the
2: Washington Post. They linked directly to this individual's personal information in that article. And many conservatives went after them justly, saying this is completely insane for you to do this. And the only what? purpose to do this is to invite violence upon someone you don't like. And, and, and so they like got rid of the hyperlink, but now to act like, oh, that never happened. I guess I understand,
4: like, they're, they're, you know, the first couple sentences, they're making arguments, they've got their own spin, whatever, whatever. Why would they lie in the last sentence? I mean, I, I don't understand what's, what's the motivation for being completely dishonest.
1: Well, so here, but here's the issue. All right, so what we know beyond a, a shadow of a doubt is that the original story linked to the real estate license for the person that was behind... The libs of TikTok account. It listed the person's name, their real estate number, a, a physical address, yep. and they only removed it at some point throughout the day. So you go back and you look at that sentence. We did not publish or link
3: or link or link to,
1: to
4: any, any details. details
1: about her personal life. Well,
3: and what they'll say, liar.
1: That's hundred <laughs> percent right. Well,
3: what they'll say is, well, that's her professional life. That's the life we intended to destroy was her professional life. You know, so then she doesn't have a personal life. And here's the thing is is, is <laughs> You think they make that distinction? I I think they would. I think if you asked no. them they'd say, "Look, that was professional." No, no, no. But here's the thing is so McDaniel, uh, producer
2: on the show and attorney, uh, looked up that information and and he gleaned it's very clear that had no uh, the, the address and such, had no commercial value. It was clearly a residential yeah. Address. Well I mean, then also the information also, there was so residential. Or how about oh, the again, detail again, how what, about the what? detail
3: that, that the, the, the person who runs the um libs of TikTok is an Orthodox Jew? What does that have to do with They said that straight up. Right, they, right. they
2: they were like, We're hoping some crazy violent person gets them. Like there's not enough Goes attacks on that community. You, you know you right. know
4: you know what details they did not include in the story? They didn't include a single quote from any of the lunatics. Whose TikTok videos
2: she's posting?
1: Yeah, right. There's no victim, right? Th- these people all put that out in their own.
2: And that's the thing is they never touch on the fact that it's not like uh, uh, lives of TikTok was taking video of people and editorializing Splicing it, it. Or changing it. Nothing. These are people who are putting their own videos on a Chinese spyware app, hoping to become famous. And guess what? When everyone sees what you're doing you might be surprised that a lot of people don't agree with what you're doing. Right.
4: Yeah, why, why not just quote from the video? Why not quote from those videos and let the let the reader decide? You know, on the Variety Program, we let our listener decide. That's right. We let people listen to a 25-minute interview with Libs of TikTok and let the listener decide for themselves what they think. Right. We don't try to color. And
2: that's the thing. And, and you know what, Ash, that's so perfect. You touch on that, and that's the difference is – You hear these people, especially the Washington Post, say democracy dies in darkness. They have now, their purpose is controlling allowable narrative. So when they openly lie, they say, We did not publish or link to any details of our personal life. It's kind of like, you know, if you get away with the crime the first time, of course you're going to do it. These people have gotten
1: away with
2: lying so much that they can now be brazen about it.
1: But what's so amazing is that this is their business model. That is. Right? You you kind of expect uh, corporate America to try to skew the truth, right? When they're caught in something, they're like, well, we didn't do that. And you're like, no, no, actually you did. And like the whole point of journalism is supposed to be uncovering that fact. Mm -hmm. When the journalists themselves come out and say something like, we did not publish or link... To any details about her personal life, and they published and linked this woman's real estate license, her physical address. Uh, it's an abject they, lie. Like,
2: they gave everything an insane individual would need to cause harm.
1: I want to give a shout out to Joey Brackets, who uh, has got the media beat. You know, he does the best hack madness coverage there is, as you all have come to know and love. But he also wrote a full story because he followed up with. Uh, Cameron Barr, apparently the senior managing editor at the Washington Post who put this statement out to ask what exactly they meant by that, given the fact that they did actually link and, and their statement to him was something along the lines of like, well, we, we decided to remove it because we didn't think it was, uh, important to the story. We, d-
4: we decided to remove it.
1: Yeah. Which, is, which, which is the
4: previous lie. statement. We didn't link, we didn't do anything. It's no. a we didn't lie. link to any details.
2: It's a lie mission of
4: line it would be why a not, scandal why not, why not just say it was our mistake right you know like okay we've got a point of view taylor lorenz is the reporter we wanted to we wanted to carve on libs a tiktok whatever why not just say that we made a mistake and accidentally linked to her address and we shouldn't have. i don't We're think sorry
3: but because i don't think it was a mistake no, it wasn't. I think they want people's lives to be ruined That's right. and destroyed. And they want that to be an example for others who speak out against the narrative of places like the Washington
1: Post. Oh, they regret nothing.
3: Nothing. Case. I don't think okay. they regret a single and, and, thing. But
1: if you also notice that their natural constituency, the s- subscribers of the Washington Post, the, the left, the establishment Democratic Party, they were all out in droves. Even today, they were out in droves saying, like, what a great piece of journalism it was.
2: I mean, imagine that. I'm telling you, it has been absolutely stunning to me. Not for Medicare for all, not for defund the police. I have never seen the left so militarized and united behind any policy position as demanding the right to be able to talk to first graders about sex. (laughs) I've never seen them flip out and unite and be so pointed about destroying any dissent and destroying the lives of anyone who dissents. Like, if, if I if I had tweeted out, you know what, fuck anyone who says defund the police, they would not be like, all right, send in Taylor Lorenz. This yeah, let's, find, like, out, monster, let's you know? find out some money. But, 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 like, Ron DeSantis passes a bill where it's like, you know what, teachers, you really shouldn't be talking about sex to a first grader. And they're, like, bonkers. <laughs> Corporations like Disney's flipping out. Everybody's going ham. Taylor Lorenz is sent out to do hit jobs. It's on anonymous people. On women. anonymous people. On a, on, on a lady. Uh, just like a random lady like a who's who's posting TikToks that these people have put out themselves. Right. You know
4: what makes it even more amazing is that it's all set against the backdrop of historic inflation. That's right. Historic gas prices yes. and war in Europe. You would think that based on the fact that the clock is ticking, the midterms are coming and it's not looking good for Democrats. You'd think that they would that's oh, right. I don't know, talk about inflation. I mean, say, oh, it's the Republicans. What, why can't they just like, why don't they just like try to blame well, the economy on Republicans? That's what they should, like, I'm, but like, like, but I'm, I'm glad, glad they're I'm, not
2: even sharp enough to try to blame the other side. So they're dumb. like, they're just like, la la la, not happening. La, la. We, well, don't we, care. Need to, we have to teach
4: kids about this. We just must. Who, <laughs>
2: care, <laughs> we, who cares? <laughs> who cares
4: about it's, Ukraine? It's so like, who cares out about of, inflation? It's so We out must of control. teach kids. It's out of that's
2: control. That's, that's what really. Give me your pronouns. Give me them. It's it's so stunning. (laughs) Like Like, "Ah?" like gas prices (laughs) are are so high. They're like releasing emergency reserves, right? Grocery store prices are insane. If you go, like, you go to the grocery store, it's completely bonkers what you're paying for food. For food in this country, and they're like, all right, here's the centerpiece of our argument to why the American people (laughs) should vote for us. We got to talk about sex with first graders, folks. Like we very have
1: important to do it. Very important.
2: Anyone who dissents, we got to stick the dogs on them. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, like I like cannot li-
1: understand it. If you're a little girl who's good at little league baseball and you're playing in the boys' team, I, I like these guys are going to be trying to give them injection hormones. Uh, it's, it's, it's. I really mean, it's something. unbelievable. It, it literally. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Frankly, it freaks me out the fact that these people have made this such a priority because for everyday Americans, the idea of telling a kindergartner to have a long form discussion on sexuality is the most, I mean, anybody who has a kindergartner, like you're sitting in your car, you're listening to this and you're like, holy shit. That's the thing. That's what's what's so
2: insanely weird is anyone who has spent time around a child knows like i remember when i spent time with my cousins when they were like in first and second grade all they wanted to talk about was like dinosaurs dude right they they're like main focus is dinosaurs and you're like okay we got to sit down and have a talk about gender identity and how it's a spectrum the dude just wants to talk about dinosaurs. The libs want to take dinosaurs. Yeah, That's I mean, the my, thing my, is my kid There's only one party interested in this discussion, and it's not the child. My kid and the child's in no position to make any sort of a lifelong decision.
1: Nor would you ever ask them to. My kid, you know, my kid likes trucks and butterflies. <laughs> the fact that he loves butterflies, who I need to start questioning? Like, I just don't understand. They are the ones that are making this completely inappropriate. It's not. Uh, it's not anyone else. The kids aren't. Lord knows the kids aren't. The kids are the victims of this discussion. Anyway, I know this. It's not the only thing that they published, though, to the point that you were making, like, why don't they talk about the economy? Not the only thing they published yesterday.
4: Oh, really? No. What else did they publish?
1: (laughs) They rolled back out the Russia collusion
4: narrative. (laughs) uh, Another key determining factor of the (laughs) midterm election. I
2: brought this up. It was right after Ashbrook described going to the CNN brunch when he was defending... All the Wapo journalists he's friends with, he's like, listen, Washington Post,
4: a bunch of nice people. Listen, they do, they do have real
2: reporters, in real Not one, not one, not a single one. Oh. Uh, and and I guess it was one of your buddies, Phil Bump, right, who put this out. <laughs> is this one of your? Is this one of your friends? Wow, is this one of your friends. That buddy, a, Phil Bump, right? This is really
1: putting the man on the spot. Phil Bump got robbed this year by not being in hack madness. Yeah. I think the print He really to, should be. Next next year when we lead up to Hack Madness in the month of February, I'm gonna make a profound uh push for print getting the same sort of consideration for the committee. I agree. That that uh, T V does because Phil Bump should have been like a two or three seed, and he didn't make the the tournament yeah. at all.
2: I mean, the takes he has are just
1: rocket fuel, insane, just rocket fuel stuff. So there, we covered it on the program uh, this Durham filing, right. where the information that Sussman had provided to the to the FBI was uh, characterized by the CIA uh, as CIA not credible and and likely man made, basically, and so this guy. <laughs> Writes an article. It's entitled "The New Gambit," <laughs> claiming key Russia probe data was "quote unquote" made up. Over the th- let me just read a little bit of it because you guys are. I'm, is, not gonna, I'm not gonna it's, read a lot It's out of it. control. Over the next three years, Americans learned a lot about how Russia was actually trying to influence the U.S. election in 2016, and the alarm experienced by federal law enforcement and counterintelligence officials at the number of people in Trump's orbit with demonstrable ties to russian actors um they're still going with this guys. right right they're still they're literally still going with this this is the same these are the same people who said that hunter lap hunter biden's laptop right had all of the hallmarks of russian disinformation the
2: way bump put this he said straight up so there's a new quote the russia probe was fake narrative out there he he's straight up saying that like any claims that this Russia that it's real. He says it's he, real. He's still cling, clinging to this. And what's hilarious is after he put this out, we have like further late breaking information. Apparently, the entity, the the Hillary for America entity that remains the campaign. campaign yes. Did you read about this? They put out an injunction trying to.
1: Trying they joined. To, yeah. They joined, saying that that they'd only hired Sussman to provide legal advice and not to peddle. I mean, it strikes me as something is that they're they're trying to codify a wound here, right? They're trying to make sure... That's exactly it. They're trying to make sure that ultimately this investigation doesn't envelop Hillary for America.
4: Right. Wait, what you're suggesting is that this story was part of their legal defense
1: strategy? Well, I don't know if it's part of their... All I know... Look, let's just take it at face value. This guy, this journalist, wrote an analyst piece in the Washington Post claiming that the Russia thing is all real. And then he goes to great lengths to go in and try to smear Jim Jordan, who he says is is twisting the words of the Durham filing to suggest that it was made up. Well, the fact of the matter is, regardless of what this recent filing has shown, it was made up. We already know it was made up. We already know that the dossier itself was com- compiled at the behest of the Hillary Clinton campaign. We right. know that. That's right. a fact. We already know... Beyond a shadow of a doubt that Sussman took said dossier and brought it to the FBI under the guise of providing a public service, right? Which is why he got indicted, because they said that he came under their under false pretenses, mm-hmm. that he was trying to bring information to the FBI that he thought was important. Right. When in fact he was working for Hillary for America and did not disclose that, was asked. And did not disclose that, which is why the guy's indicted in the first place. Right? I mean, it's extremely normal
2: to roll up to the FBI with like an oppo doc. <laughs> and when, when they ask you about your employer, you're like, I do not work for my employer. <laughs>
1: That's just like a normal thing. Imagine being so comfortable. That's the thing. Imagine being so comfortable with the Department of Justice, with the FBI, that you can roll in and they ask you like, who are you working for? And he's like, yeah no one man
2: Just be like,
1: it's all good brother
2: very casual lies to the yeah. FBI
1: don't, they're like why is this all in research font
2: <laughs> <laughs> why does <is> this <laughs> look like a DNC book right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're like don't worry about it, <laughs> uh, give, it give it to Nellie Orr or whoever the it's amazing br- they're like you know, dude Bruce this Orr.
2: looks like a straight up oppo doc are you here from like Hillary's campaign Yeah, dude from Hillary's campaign
1: no <laughs> <laughs> so comfortable with it right but like we know all of that shit happened. We know the origins of all of this. And this guy, Phil Bump, would have would write a full yeah. analysis yep. piece at this late stage. Liars. And say the Russia probe
3: is is right. Right? It's it's incredible that this could, you know, now it's going on 5 years, right? And you know, there was an impeachment, there was a special counsel, there was the Mueller report, there was all this stuff. And like Trump didn't go to jail, you know, like they didn't prove collusion or anything and like like he's really is like one of those Japanese soldiers on an island. The last it, guy like way after World War Two is over being like the war is still going get, on. And also the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is the way he sort of hand waves past this um, this, you know, fake data component to the the Durham filing here. And in in the beginning of the article or analysis piece, what Phil Bump says, there is this mind boggling number of things happening in late October 2016. So it's likely that many people missed a story that dropped on Halloween, an allegation that there was a digital back channel between Donald Trump, Republican candidate for president, and the Russian bank, Alpha Bank, is what you're referring to. What he said, what Phil Bump says here is... Is that it was all wispy from the implications to the evidence itself. What he's trying to say is this whole Alpha Bank thing, this fake data assessment. Really. No one really bought that or believed that. In fact, it wasn't essential to any of this Russia Gate, you know, collusion narrative. It, this was more ancillary. The this was just background noise. Animals. And it's like, no, dude, this was like. One of the smoking guns. It was. It was the meeting in. Remember the meeting in Prague that apparently Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen had. That was the one that was always peddled on MSNBC by Maddow. And uh, which even after the,
1: that guy's turned states, he was like, "No, that never." No, happened. No, it literally
3: never happened. Yeah. I was never in Prague, and they're still like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> uh, so there was that, and then the Alpha Bank data. The idea that there was this Russian server com- communicating with Trump Tower or whatever. I mean, I remember Holmes. You going on TV, this is during the height of the Russiagate bullshit, going on TV, like, uh, opposite some professor from Georgetown. Yeah, this guy's a real psycho, I remember. Who, who, who smugly sat there and said Josh you know you know this is all going to come down like a you know like a ton of bricks it's all all roads lead back to Alpha Bank if we can find that clip I got to put it up on Twitter we got to find it dude. it's hysteric it's hysterical I think that's
1: the guy was that the guy I may even have it uh, I may even have the clip because I, th- that was the one who I think I said you're embarrassing yourself.
3: you're embarrassing yourself you said that to the Georgetown professor I'll never forget it but now we're going to go ahead and retcon this years later through Phil Bump and claim that was all just background noise, you know that Alpha Bank stuff ne- ne- never serious,
2: never serious. These guys are so weird. It's just lying. That they're like they think there's like it has to be a global conspiracy of like an oligarch bank in Russia that was like colluding with this Manchurian candidate to make sure that Vladimir Putin can have control over an election rather than believe that actually Hillary sucked. Hey, Hillary sucked. They're like, a terrible candidate.
1: no, given the two choices, yeah, maybe, maybe international
2: conspiracy. <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> maybe she's been around too long.
1: Let, let me just, because of last week's guest with Bill Barr, let, let me read this paragraph that he writes, because I think it perfectly encapsulates the mentality that these people still have about this entire incident. You're probably familiar with the Durham investigation. He was tapped by Trump's Attorney General, William P. Barr, to investigate the origins of the Russia investigation itself. In other words, Durham's job is to question whether the proceeding probe into how and where Russia's efforts to get Trump elected might have been aided by Trump or his allies was itself warranted. It's a theoretically objective look for which Barr had an obviously subjective intent.
4: Unbelievable.
1: Proving that Russia investigation writ large was an effort to attack Trump and little more. Um, our, again, the last Japanese soldier. Right.
3: right. The De Steele right. dossier was Hillary Clinton's oppa. We have text messages from FBI agents that basically say we have to save the country from Donald Trump after the election, like that they were doing things that to hurt Donald Trump I mean like all this ev- he knows this evidence is out there how are we just pretending well, like it's not there I'll, t- it's I'll tell you why
4: I'll tell you why I'll tell you why it's very simple because modern journalism is 1,000 words of analysis right where the correspondent quotes only himself <laughs> and makes up words like "overfathered" to dismiss <laughs> any routine trend that might undermine Democrats that is modern journalism That's in a
1: nutshell. Oh. It is it is unbelievable to me that this publication can print something like that in this day and age. Because honestly, it may to me it may just provide more liability for them. Right. Like like look the rest of like the New York Times if you notice has done everything they can do to just kind of like wipe this shit away. Right. Right. They don't mention Russiagate. They don't mm-hmm. mention anything. They know they fucked up. I think they know that. Like the journalists fucked up well yeah i mean i mean i think the editors probably they are
2: trying to like cut bait like like, uh, yeah the the new york times is trying to just like cut bait and be like let's just get move
3: on move on well anybody who got a pulitzer prize doesn't want the committee coming back and around and be like hey can we get that award back right
2: no
1: right (laughs) i can't talk about this anymore i got an award for something that's fake i sold two million (laughs) dollars worth of books off this shit yep right Mm. but these guys go right back into it as if we didn't notice as if we didn't notice you know, like this stuff is public. That, that unbelievable. Like
2: I, I, I know you got a lot of friends there, Ashbrook. But like the oh, Washington <laughs> Post is just like a rat's nest. Like it's deplorable. Like it's really, really sad.
4: Look, it's an office full of a lot of people. They're not all going to be winners.
2: <laughs> and honestly, you know, my advice to Bezos: 100 there's, of there's probably <laughs> under yeah. floors of frights. They're not there's, all going to be winners. There's a lot of folks in the Washington Post who'd be doing a far better job delivering packages being of use to society Maybe than, than dropping these takes. Like, you know, it, it just helps your supply chain, Jeff, you know, if you're listening.
1: Um, <laughs> so in, in something that they're not covering. Speaking of supply chain. Uh, this is from studyfinds.org. Uh, economic ap- ap- apocalypse. Jesus, if I can say it. My God, is it that late in the day? Economic apocalypse six in ten small businesses fear inflation will ruin them Uh, inflation isn't just a four-letter word for consumers a recent survey finds it's also crippling american business owners as well in a poll of more more than 500 small businesses 61 percent say the current state of the u.s economy is making it difficult for them to keep their doors open 61 guys
2: yeah, so I mean, uh, I think this is going to be a real point of pressure. So when you look at, uh, like, I, I don't know if we'll necessarily. My, this is just predictions. You know, this is not an uh, investment advice. I'm offering no securities for sale. All the like, yeah, right. SEC or auto, whatever. But I, I don't know if the 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 recession is going to come this year. But if you look at where the the point of pressures are in this economy. The burden that's being put on small businesses by this administration is really worrisome because what you have is you, you basically have the small businesses that survived the hell of the past couple of years. Yeah. These are businesses who've survived the government demanding that they shut down. These are businesses that have survived all the like onerous regulations that had been put on them over the past year. And, and, and after all of that, you know, when they're hoping to see light at the end of the tunnel, and now they've got inflation to deal with. I, I'm, I'm really, really concerned about that that segment of the economy. Well,
1: remember they went through the entire year of 2021 believing that this administration was going to impose a magnificent tax increase on these people, mm-hmm. right? Any any business that's grossing over 400k,
2: they were told straight up. They're well, like, "Hey, we're coming for you."
1: Right, we're coming for you. So, so you couldn't invest in anything, right? You had to just hunker down, save your money. And now it turns out that your money's worth 8.5% less than it was. Your employees want 8.5% more because they can't pay for groceries. You're Mm -hmm. you're
2: facing both ends of of that
1: sword. And your consumers want the same price, right? I mean, this is not difficult. Economics at this level is actually not difficult. Like, I don't need the Keynesian model. I don't need all the bullshit. Mm -hmm. Just look, people have less money. Mm -hmm. Things cost more. And (laughs) things cost more. Why are these Why are these
3: plebes upset?
4: <laughs> well, you know, don't
3: they know? Don't they get how it? great it's going? You right. know,
4: something else that's interesting about this: this study was not written up in the Washington Post. We just talked about a story about the Russia Gate. We talked about Taylor, the Twitter yeah. account that Taylor Lorenz yeah. thinks is so important. The Washington Post is spending money to promote I the story that. that Taylor Lorenz wants. They haven't written about this. No, there is a, there is an entire country of people out there who are terrified. By what they're seeing in the economy, you,
2: you you go to the grocery store; it's like the least happy place on earth right now. No one's having a good time in there. Like when I buy a chicken breast, I'm like, "Is this made of gold?" It and, is insane it, the prices you're paying. Right in
4: the now. In the Washington Post, will tell them they should feel better about the economy. That's right. They're like they've got it. Their wrong. messaging was like. Well, remember, it's Aaron Blake last beauty. week.
1: Yes, Aaron Blake wrote an analysis piece, citing polling and asking the obvious question to the Washington Post readers of why people weren't appreciating the economy more than they were. Yeah. Yeah. I you, mean that's literally their point of view. Listen, to you they're peasants,
2: you, you, why are you like having a problem with getting less for more money? Like and it's not the only—it's
1: not the only problem. Like here's another data point from this piece: inflation uh, may be the biggest problem that's crippling small business, but not not the only issue. Another 61% say supply chain issues throughout the pandemic are impacting their businesses. Another 26% say labor shortages. Oh, I wonder where the fuck that is. Yeah, uh, are, are hurting their bottom line. Out of all businesses across America, the economic crisis is hitting stores which operate on site the hardest. Four and five say inflation and supply chain issues are equally responsible for their struggles. Thank you, Biden administration, for doing absolutely fucking nothing about the supply chain, yep. about paying people not to work so you have a labor shortage, mm-hmm. and about flooding the economy with currency that makes the dollar worth less. They, they, they don't care. They fundamentally
4: do not care because they don't understand how people in regular America earn a living. All they understand is academia and gigantic corporations yeah. and big time government those are the only types of income that these people can fathom and therefore they don't care yeah
2: before, before we started recording i saw this video from like i guess the daily meet the press that chuck todd does where uh they were discussing uh DeSantis in florida and simone sanders was like oh well if i had to pick a winner I, I would absolutely bet on the Disney lobbyists. Yeah,
3: right. That's that's modern progressivism. And like everyone started like clapping. Yeah, they're like, yeah, they're like, we, Go, we, girl. we root for the multinational corporations lobbyists.
2: Their movement the- has become <laughs> just like we are gigantic corporations right. who will dictate what is acceptable. Yeah. yeah, The narrative, well, uh, social mores for society. Like, how the hell can any of these people know? What the average American family, what the average small business in America is facing, they have no clue. Right. They have no, no
4: idea. No they can't
1: idea. possibly identify with it.
4: And they're not interested in learning. That's I mean, right. If you if, you, That's look the at biggest the, if problem. you, look at the reporting, they are not interested in learning. When, when
1: Jen Saki tells you, like,
2: shut the fuck up. Just wait a little bit longer for your peloton and have a margarita. That's the world they live in. Right. That like, oh, you know like this these, is an inconvenience. Right, these, and you know what? I'm just gonna have a margarita there's and no be fine. Th- they there's have, have, they no ha- stake.
3: Ha- they there are no stakes in any of these problems because these aren't problems that they have. So for them it's a distraction that they can get out. That's exactly like a little it. riding on the on
1: the bike. You know, the thing is that that, like for me with all of this, it in cycles like this when everybody's focused on these problems. It's great because we can talk about it and everybody sort of consumes it. But the bottom line is this is happening all of the time. Whether you're focused on one issue or not, the, the bottom line is the Democratic Party over the last decade has become a party of corporate sort of isolation and, and upper middle class living, right? Mm-hmm. They, they have no ability to identify with your average working class american whatsoever and it and, and it actually disturbs them that they have to mm-hmm. right you read all of these when you're in dc every single one of these newsletters will put out some you know insider discussion that they've talked about in democratic hq where they're like, well, it turns out people aren't liking this. People don't like <laughs> <Yeah>. what <artwork down. laughs> we 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 held a you know? focus group.
3: We ha- we ha- we haven't been to real America in two years, but we held a focus group, and turns out all of our stuff sucks. Yeah, <laughs> and their
1: answer though, their answer is always like, well, we got to figure out a different way to say it. Yeah, got to figure out a different way to say it. They're not buying it. It's like they're selling a shit sandwich to everybody and they're just shocked that people don't like the taste. <laughs> this thing smells great.
2: <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, let me tell you, from, from, from buddies who are who are working on campaigns and such that have had focus groups, what they're hearing, what they're getting back, I mean, man, this is going to be, you know, I, I don't want us to get, you know, resting on our laurels, but this is going to be a ruby red November. Like, voters are very... But you
1: got to get involved. I mean, here's the—that's thing. the thing. The, the, you got
2: to put the torque to the wheel.
1: To that point, we understand that everybody that's listening to this is pissed off and is going to vote and vote in droves, and their family's going to vote in droves, and probably people you didn't even know were political are going to come out and vote in droves. But you kind of got to get, get involved early, right? And like, you got to contribute to these campaigns. And I—I I, I know that's tough in a tough economy. But the reality is that Democrats are actually out raising. Republicans campaign to campaign like four to one for all the reasons we just discussed. They're basically corporate monopolists, right? These are these are people who cater to the higher ends of society. They, they deal with people who have an incredible amount of dispensable income that they can spend on this kind of thing, right? And they just kind of throw their money around. And it's four to one. I'm not saying it's going to overcome the environment. And believe me I'm not asking anybody to contribute anything that they can't because your family comes first but but you gotta get involved in some way whether it's putting up a yard sign or delivering a yep. piece of lit because the people that we're up against are throwing everything into this to try to convince those people who don't pay attention that this is all a facade which, which reminds me I mean like we
3: should think through this as a variety program of you know, some candidates or a slate of candidates of, of you know where people could could put in ten bucks, put in twenty bucks, split it amongst some candidates and make a difference. That's your right. I, th- I I just think a lot of people would would like if we could you know facilitate that process a little bit and show them where their we, dollar. We've would had go the folks furthest.
2: ask, and I've been giving thought about <clears> this. <throat> yeah, like because like like Holmes has been saying. So the left at this point is it's, it's shocking how quickly they became just a corporatist lobbyist party with the press behind them and billionaires and and just like a flood of cash um supporting their agenda we we got to develop some kind of like a grassroots system yeah just you got to adopt a candidate whether you're in and if you're a republican stuck in a blue state if you're a republican in a ruby red state you know we got to get on the front lines figure out which cans are in the battlegrounds and and put the torque on the wheel. Well, whether it's to give them a couple bucks or whether you start making phone calls. We gotta you know, we can't be complacent. They got there's a price that needs to be paid. Yes. What these people have done to this country is inexcusable and there's a price that has to be paid. I
1: think we're well positioned to do it because we talk to everybody. Right? If you've listened to this program for any amount of time at all, you know that we've interviewed every candidate. We have not sort of put a thumb on the scale any one direction. We talk to everybody from Jack Pasovic, to you know Susan Collins, we, we we talk to everyone.
2: I love how those are spectrums. It's great.
1: You know what I mean. We 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 talk to everybody, and but I think after all of that, we should put our heads together and figure. You, you all are uh, right now. You're a part of our internal meeting that we're having That's right. right now. That's sorry, right. sorry. This just became an internal. Yeah, meeting. <laughs> because I think I think we do have to actually try to provide some guidance based upon what we know. And how we can help the most, because it doesn't make sense to try to throw another dollar at a campaign that doesn't need it. Right. It does make a ton of sense in some of those. We got to
2: send all the soldiers to the front, and we because there's too much at stake. These people are out of their minds, and they're dangerous.
3: Well, and the only reason I feel like we haven't done it thus far is like the whole redistricting process yep. has slowed everything down. Redistricting yeah. in you know?
2: primaries, like we want the people to decide, and then it's got right. to, from then on right. we got to be ready to roll. Right. It's like we be, know, it's on
3: the we, we know in the Senate, it's like Arizona. Nevada, yep. Wisconsin, yep. Pennsylvania, you know, like we we know where money needs to go, but it gets a little more complicated with the house. So we're going to put our heads together. plus
2: DeSantis has that like juicy Hell yeah. map. Hell yeah. He yeah. just got passed in Florida. I mean, God bless that guy. I mean, he's getting it done. Getting it's it done. And every that redistricting map. <laughs> every and get return. a Ronnie D.
1: I mean, whether it's policy or whether it's politics, you name it. The
3: dude is just checking boxes. Getting it done. Dude, dude, if if we get four house seats and in the same week week he gets MSNBC to take the side of Disney lobbyists, <laughs> dude, <laughs> I mean like he, that's the guy's like
2: a Jedi. <laughs> with, with, <laughs> yeah. with, with the map he got passed, it neutralizes all the dem games gains yeah. from redistricting yeah. nationally. Right.
1: Yeah. He didn't Florida alone. Uh, oh, it's incredible. One more thing I wanna cover and then we gotta play a game. Um this gets absolutely Oh, you want to do space? I want to too? do this one. This is a good one. This want, is. A- hold on, I would do one, and then we'll do space. Cool. Um, the uh, Shanghai.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We've covered it on the program, but nobody else is talking about the fact that this is completely, almost t- near total lockdown. Gottlieb, uh, Scott Gottlieb, who you've seen on CBS and basically all over during the pandemic, he tweeted out this incredible graphic. With uh, here's what he said: With Shanghai in near total lockdown. This is a map of commercial ships currently waiting offshore to be loaded and offloaded of goods, exacerbating global supply chain woes. The picture that he tweeted out is shocking. I mean,
2: it looks it looks like a beehive of red ships that have no access to offloading or, or loading up goods. It,
1: it, it looks like a beehive. It, it looks... It's, it's countless. It's yeah. countless. It's just all over the place. And like... But here's where this is. The, pro- the problem is, is that this administration has not talked about it one minute.
4: No, Mm-mm.
1: not one minute. They've held China accountable. Not one minute. They don't talk about any of this stuff. You got Biden's climate czar, John Kerry, out there talking about how oil should not be, quote unquote, allowed to grow. And, and it's
2: important to talk about this exactly in that context. Because this administration's plan for America's future is we become dependent on China to make us solar panels. That's their idea. That's, that's their big green new deal. Is they're like, let's make our country completely dependent on China manufacturing solar panels for us. Not to mention. That's our future. And, and this is uh, you know right in our face. This is what happens. When you cripple America... When when you put Americans who work in in, in in drilling in the in the energy industry, we were we were we were energy independent for the first time, since I mean I think in our lifetimes. And when you cripple America like that and put dependency on a foreign country, a hostile foreign country, this is what you get.
1: It's it, so here's the next tweet that I want to read. This is from Biden himself. Let's be absolutely clear about why prices are high right now. COVID in Vladimir Putin it's, insane. it's just
4: so dishonest
1: um first of all COVID uh, a pandemic doesn't change your price your policies that you react to a pandemic changes things magnificently when you flood five trillion dollars into the marketplace it devalues the value of your currency right right I mean that's just I don't you don't have to be an economist if you have a certain amount of dollars. And then all of a sudden, all of those dollars have like six times more of that in one calendar year uh, devalue. I mean, it. we
3: had all the we had all the tools uh, to reopen America, and when when Biden came into office, and instead he used that crisis as an opportunity to, you know, spend a couple of trillion dollars and give a bunch of handouts to his teacher union buddies right you know and i i think really that's the inflection point for a lot of this stuff with inflation it's like the the economy was already going to get overheated because of increased demand coming out of the pandemic and instead of tamping that down by saying all right it's time for america to reopen we spent trillions more we 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 kept student loan freezes we we, we spent all of this money you know the rent moratoriums kept going on instead of reopening the country we spent all this trillions more money and then we're like oh well it was COVID." Like, no, you did it.
2: And and what I always want to point to is everyone, you know, you can feel free to Google this. So uh, graphic? The measure, yeah. The, the measure of inflation is the CPI, the Consumer Price Index. The day Joe Biden took office, CPI was about one5 1.7%, 1. 1. right? Before Putin attacked Ukraine, U.S. CPI had hit 8%. Oh, weird. I thought Putin since was responsible. Did, since he did, it went from 8% to 8.5%. So the whole jump, that whole jump from 1.5% to 8% is on Biden. Right. And he is lying to the American people. He thinks he thinks he can get away with it.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it's just a liar, 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 pants on fire situation. All right. You know what? I'll indulge you with your space news.
2: Yeah. So so this is really good space news, and I think it's important space news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I want to talk about Neptune,
1: which... which, I've always thought about Neptune. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and it's important. So it says... uh, I never
3: thought I'd hear a sentence that was, I I want to talk about Neptune. Neptune. (laughs)
2: Oh, you know,
4: our vice president said space is fun. Yeah. Yeah. What did she say? It's, It's
2: right in the same vein. So this is, of all places, from The Sun, great publication, it says, temperatures on Neptune appear to be rapidly changing. You're kidding. Sparking confusion <laughs> among scientists. You're confusion. kidding. Neptune is considered the planet of ice as it is furthest away from the sun since they took Pluto from us, those lying bastards. <laughs> but <laughs> They did. They stole Pluto. They stole Pluto. Uh, new research published in the Planetary Science Journal shows that it, its normal temperature of around negative 220 degrees Celsius has actually fluctuated wildly over the last two they decades. To,
4: you know, they need to eliminate coal fire. That's power. That's what I think it is.
2: <laughs> I think they've put way too much faith in fossil fuels. You know, the Neptunians have been drilling for oil a bit too much. Maybe they, they have to find a country These that These bastards can with their F-150s. It's really something, you know?
4: I, I have a solution for them. I think that we need to take Greta Thunberg <laughs> and John Kerry and send them as to a Neptune. peaceful delegation.
2: That would be such a generous gift on behalf of Earth. It would, if yeah. we put Greta and let's, John Kerry. Let's show like our humanity. Elon, Elon, just like give us one rocket. Just one. We got to send Greta and John Well, Kerry can we get out Al there.
1: Gore on that? He kind of started think, the parade. I think should Good be idea. on there
2: too. Yeah. I mean, that would be incredibly generous. So, uh, you know global warming as it is who would have guessed i guess neptune has one hell of a fossil fuel industry it's an
1: amazing amazing thing all right fellas uh, let's play a game i know you guys have been absolutely pining for this and smug has generously donated uh, 10 minutes of his time to look up his tweets
2: i, I i've been like pounding the pavement <laughs>
1: Demanding we play King of the Hill because of
2: T-Rex. I do this, for is just, this is just ludicrous. I'm, you know the people have demanded King of the Hill. Okay, and, it's been like six and weeks. I'm, I'm so ready for it. I'm so ready. I've been wanting this for so long. We should play King of the Hill. Well, uh, our
3: defending champion is Steve Schmidt. Yeah, Holmes. You have Steve Schmidt. I got Steve Schmidt. Wow. And who are you bringing here? The competition
2: bringing the heat. The one, the only Sherry Jacobus. Wow! Wow.
3: Battle of Titans. Oh, wow! This is great. All right, well, let's go ringside. Uh, Ladies and
4: gentlemen, your attention, please. Once again, it's time for King of the Hill in the blue corner. Fighting from her own Twitter account, Gummy Cherry Jacobus. And now, in the red corner, fighting from a patio in Utah and current, Champion of the world, the old
3: fat man, Steve Ishamid.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, I've missed, I've missed ringside so much. It doesn't matter how many Lincoln dollars he makes. Being called the fat man by Ashbrook it has to hurt you. But he sa- the way that
3: Ashbrook does that. <laughs> oh man! What I really appreciate about it is it sounds like a legitimate nickname. Like he's a boxer like, who's accepted. He's accepted that as all like, his like
2: buddies butter. will be like, "Yo, fat man," and he's like, "Don't call me that, dude. It's not cool." But like, remember that?
3: <laughs> you, remember the boxer Butterbean? Yes. yes yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh my god! Oh. I'm dying. I'm
3: dying. <sighs> well, it's been a while since we have played this game, so a refresher on the rules for our listeners, especially the new listeners. King of the Hill, three rounds uh, that pit titans of the Never Trump movement. Uh, Holmes and Smug read tweets from their selected, uh, contenders. Um, and then I, as judge and jury, get to decide who wins each round. Uh, best out of three is the new champion. Excellent. First round first goes to the defending champion, Steve Schmidt, Josh Holmes. The floor is yours.
1: Okay. Uh, this comes from April 19, 2022. It is at 1137 PM, just after the noon hour.
3: <laughs> wait you said 11 37
1: p.m 11 37 p.m just after the noon hour yeah you know how that works where I, at midnight you go into the a.m oh yeah yeah oh okay yeah. Okay, okay i see what yeah. you're saying yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay anyway <clears throat> this and then he's got the emoji of a finger pointing down right mm-hmm. so he's pointing down at a 12 <clears throat> he what he's pointing down at is taylor lorenz's tweet of her story about libs of TikTok. This, finger down, story below is essential reading. (laughs) Understanding the right-wing smear machine and the malice that drives it is essential. Apparently, the use of good old-fashioned shoe-leather journalism in pursuit of facts has given great offense to Glenn Greenwald, one of Putin's I beat. I got the full fucking thing on that. He got it all in he there. He got it all.
3: He got it all in there. He got Putin. he got shoe he got shoe leather journalism in there.
1: Shoe leather and Putin's no no apostrophe. Putin's Putin's. <laughs> wow. Oh, I've missed this game.
2: Oh, smug. What do you got for us? All right. So, like, I have three nukes. I mean that's a wild thing. with Sherry, you, you just have nothing but nukes. She only has one speed. Yeah, it, it's just straight nuclear. I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna go with this one. Uh, this is 1021 a.m. on April 20th. so I mean God knows what Sherry was up to when she came up with this take. CNN banned me on Trump's <laughs> orders when I brought up his super PAC, then had them scrub the transcripts of just my segment. Then, after hundreds of appearances over nearly 20 years, they banned me, silencing me, and ruining me for Trump. And it was still only the primary. What? Her theory is that, like... <laughs> listen, everyone knows CNN is a pro-Trump. Sorry. Mouthpiece. And, and, like, she was singularly targeted, which was no, like, only my transcript.
3: The, enti- the entire course of American political events turned on Sherry Jacobus at CNN (laughs) is what she's alleging there. She could have
2: stopped all of it if her voice was
1: heard.
3: With the whole primary thing, that's the implication. That's the whole thing. Is that CNN was actually in the tank for Donald Trump and that she was in a position to stop it. Well, she
1: may have been right about the primary, by the way. Yeah, she might. If that the, part, that part, she might be right. She's about. like,
2: if the American people could have heard my voice during this primary,
1: it seems to be a common cadence from her. She loves bringing up grievances with CNN she, being pro yeah, Trump. Yeah, right.
3: That she couldn't get on the air. This is something I think previously that's been in King of the Hill. What is new though is that part scrubbed. Scrubbed the transcripts.
2: That's right. uh, CNN banned me on Trump's orders when I brought up his super PAC. Like that's his thing. Trump's I didn't like, even know he had a super PAC yeah, right? in twenty sixteen. I, I didn't either. And he's like, "Listen, anyone who talks about my super PAC, they got to be disappeared." <laughs> yeah, it's like, can't. all right, we're very pro Trump. We'll definitely do that. <laughs> and they scrubbed it from the tra- the then, CNN then transcript. Had them scrub the transcript. That's oh, next level. Oh, just my segment. Just my segment. She's like, "I'm not. I'm not crazy, folks. <laughs> I didn't just imagine this shit happening. Yeah, yeah, I'm a very normal person. They they scrubbed just my transcripts."
1: But I want to I want to back this out because, yes, that's crazy. But it's very personally crazy. The beauty of King of the Hill is that these are brainworm takes that are just sort of global and you can't you, you can't right? flack
2: when you even pointed out how awesome it was. She she pointed out the primary. This is a legit awesome awesome. Well, tweet.
3: so, so to, to to give Holmes his his due here on on this tweet, it is pretty incredible that a guy who runs like a hate filled smear. Machine. He's run two Project, ads about me personally. Has written, he's he's run two ads about Josh Holmes in particular? <laughs> is now talking about how the right wing hate machine needs to be stopped. And this article is critical and it's shoe leather journalism <laughs> to look up a series of tweets by some former Twitter, like Dev. I think it was some sort of for, former employee. And then, I don't know, like stalks some of her, you know, libs of TikTok's relatives and go to their front doors. And he's like, yes, more of this. This is what is essential, he says. And then the turn at the end. What's the, with
2: the, the, the Russia? The
1: turn is my favorite part because it adds the the third level of insanity, which is given great offense to Glenn Greenwald, one of Putin's. So he's he's not only, he's not only praising Taylor, Mm-hmm. He's praising the kind of journalism that would out right. an anonymous Twitter account. Right. And then he throws Glenn Greenwald under the bus by saying uh, it's offensive to him because he's he's one of Putin's. Putin's. Putin's.
2: So, so I have a wild contra take. So okay. a, any any dollar that Schmidt is is forced to spend to put up an ad hitting homes is a dollar he can't <laughs> spend enjoying. It's like one of the few dollars the Lincoln Project oh, no. actually has that's a political expenditure.
1: And they use they g- use great photos. Yeah. I'll like, tell I,
2: you. I, I saw one of the ads. It's like your best hair day ever. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. They use great stuff. <laughs> Which is
2: wild. Like typically you try to find like a, a picture of someone who's just like sweaty their worst day. It's like home's just like
1: yeah. full flow. Yeah, going it's good. Going no, hard it's in good. the
2: paint with best hair day.
1: Best thing that happened to me in Palm Beach years. And they're like, Beach listen, we're putting
2: money behind this. Yeah. <laughs> So so that's actually good. <laughs> it's good, actually.
3: Well, I mean, Smug, I think you're convincing me that Holmes' Holmes's tweet wins. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Schmidt, you win round
1: one. It's a hard thing to overcome. Like, I don't think it's I possible. Said I said it was actually bad because it's a no, good it's great. thing that he spends. It's, it's, Incredible. it's great. I don't think you can overcome that Schmidt tweet. I mean, as good as her tweet is, that this thing has got four levels of awesomeness. It is. It's a great. It's a great tweet. But now you get to go first. Smug.
2: I'm ready, two. ready, ready, willing, and able. Okay. So this is uh, from April nineteenth. Sherry Jacobus. Trump slash Putin slash Manafort slash Rove cheating with machine ballots by <laughs> changing one or two votes per precinct can be undetected. When that was made harder with improved security, paper slash mailed ballots cheating. Was out in the open with destroyed mail sorting machines and removing mailboxes. Every possible Looney Tune-like conspiracy theory. She even brought in the like they stole mailboxes into this take. So, so, so this is
3: basically so <laughs> predicated on Trump,
2: yeah. Putin, Manafort, and Rove had this great thing going where they're just like stealing elections by changing one or two ballots per Your, precinct. Your Honor,
4: may oh. may I approach? an amicus? With a question. Of course. Um, If uh, she is accusing Rove of stealing ballots, does that mean she's also accusing Steve Schmidt of stealing ballots? (laughs) Is she talking about the 04 election?
2: So I can answer that. So this is the the next letter. She, quote, retweeted herself. No! Saying... 20, Wait a second, second! Object! 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 No, object! The, object! The, 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 I'm just reading the tweet. Hold on. Now this is the
3: quote. No, tweet. I, I well, want to well, object. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take the jury part of my job out of the room, and they're gonna go to the back. Yeah, no, no. And no. me as judge will decide whether this evidence can enter.
1: What I'm objecting, uh, Your Honor, is over the fact that we, this is judged solely on one tweet.
2: It is one tweet. C- it's, it's, it's okay. Go. For I it.
1: understand.
3: Smug, before this this evidence is entered, this this other tweet. Can you answer this question? Is it essential and germane to this tweet?
2: One hundred percent, it is. Okay. If this is. This is this Then one, I'll allow it. This then this I'll allow tweet. it because it's like if you had any tweet that's a quote retweet of anyone, you would read the tweet that's quote. I retweeted.
1: hope. I hope. Uh, just in consideration of the court, that you will ultimately be the arbiter of whether it is essential and germane. Yeah, okay. Upon hearing, definitely, it. definitely. Okay.
2: So, so, so the tweet that sh- that this is her statement in the quote retweet. 2016 and 2020 presidential election in one tweet. Okay, all right. She says herself great. in one tweet. So that answers
3: Ashbrook's question. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: So that's great. That's so very so, germane. So, so she's saying that that Karl Rove and Paul Manafort. First of all, I don't know how many election precincts there are in a state, but one or two per precinct, I don't think would be enough. That's to how tip, she did. Tip a lot that's of how states. Done.
2: That's how it's done.
3: Uh, it, it, also, that seems like a ton of work. If you were really going to cheat an election, cheating one vote in every precinct would be really wild way to do it. <laughs> but that's sort of an aside. She's saying the election in 2020 was like made more secure because there was mail-in ballots.
2: Yeah, and mail-in ballots that made things more secure in mm-hmm. her mind. Mm-hmm. And then she also brought up uh, removing mailboxes.
3: What? What does that do with anything? Nothing. How, is, <laughs> how does that have any uh, Any relation to the voter fraud or not?
1: Um wow, that's something. There's a mental health aspect to some of that.
3: Um, You're saying it's unfair to include her? No, I'm just I just made mention of it. Sounds like he's
1: complaining. I just no, I just made mention wow. of it. I mean Why are made, you complaining? Dude? Well, I'm not complaining about it. <laughs> no, listen, I'm 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 gonna win. I may sweep you.
2: Um, no chance I have this. I have this.
1: So uh, Schmidt RTs a tweet, a left wing tweet, that includes a video of DeSantis
2: Wait, you're you're gonna describe the quote retweet I thought that was like illegal. I think that's that's germane, wow, right I thought that was illegal. no it's
1: because it, it's not his tweet no no he yeah yeah this is fine so he's quote tweeting a tweet as a left-wing guy who you know I won't even read what he says it's ridiculous but it's a, about DeSantis signing the bill right right the the quote unquote don't say gay bill right right <clears throat> and there's a video attached. Of DeSantis signing this bill, people behind him. Look at the fear on the face of the child to Ron DeSantis's right, and I'm gonna I'm gonna provide the video evidence for you to check this out. Okay, awful. Child props, no bueno. Also, DeSantis is a presidential hopeful like he's a master's hopeful. It's an illusionary imagination. Closer to hallucination tinged with delusion. (laughs) Dude, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. I have several exhibits. I have two exhibits. Okay. The first is the video. It's this cute young girl. That's the one he's talking about right there. So I'm showing right now the judge and the jury, a little girl... Who is to Ron DeSantis's. She's just watching him sign the bill. Watching him sign the bill. And he says, look at the fear on the face of the child. As if as if what he's trying to infer is the fact that he's signing this bill is personally fearful.
3: This person this kid this kid is watching him sign that bill and is like, oh my gosh, I can't discuss gender identity. With my teacher anymore because right, of Ron DeSantis. Right, she's
1: scared, and and and, and she's and like,
3: what? She's like five four, years old, four, or
1: five, yeah, something like that. Like, obviously, no. I mean, she's for, there's dude, a thousand cameras and people clapping. I'm not
3: even quite sure she knows what's going on, dude. She's five years old. Right. She just knows she's, there's a camera and she's supposed to stand there nicely.
1: All I know is she's an incredibly well behaved child right. for standing there and like not. Making a scene, my kids would be all tipping over the, over the desk. My my littlest would probably be scribbling all over Ron DeSantis's signature. Anyway, this kid is well behaved. My second piece of evidence. this is a
3: complicated.
1: My piece second of evidence. piece of evidence is that Steve Schmidt organized in two thousand and eight every appearance that Sarah Palin had as vice president to include children. Oh, it's an interesting layer, right? So as you can see, uh the myriad of photographs that I'm providing of Sarah Palin do, entirely do any, surrounded by children. Do any evidence of this? Like by this is children. just like
2: someone coming in with a story? In
1: this one, like, where's she's this actually coming from, signing a baby. I've never heard this. She's signing with I've a never Sharpie heard pen. Schmidt was a behind baby. kids at the rallies. Wow.
2: Who who's who comes up with this? I've never seen any evidence for this.
1: The, uh, I feel like both of those are not only rock solid evidence. Home just pulling
2: out crazy ass ideas. The yeah. demonstration no of evidence. No one has ever heard of that. Is Everybody knows applauded. Schmidt came up with Sarah Palin's kids. No one's heard of that.
1: It is well founded that Smith well is, is like responsible. Conjecture. For, Literal
2: conjecture. For,
1: he is responsible for this Sarah is Palin some kangaroo
2: court and shit. It is <laughs> okay.
1: Well, the now whole, you're insulting the, the judge and the jury. The,
2: no, 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 no. The whole argument is predicated on like so. Many people saying I'm coming up with a story on the spot here. Your
1: Honor, I find this offensive <laughs> to the court. I feel like Can we find any evidence that Schmidt's
2: behind the kids at the palin rally? Never heard of that before.
1: <laughs> um Your Honor. Okay. You may I approach.
3: Oh my God, we're doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. On the, on the previous tweet. Okay.
4: You were you permitted a question that was tangential to the submission about whether Carl Rove at whether she was referring to Karl Rove's participation in the 04 Bush uh-huh. reelect, therefore it also implicated Steve Schmidt. Yes, Your Honor, I believe you should also include there you the go tangential information that's been provided on the Steve Schmidt tweet.
3: Okay, well, smug that hurts
1: you. So <laughs>
2: no, there's a, there's <laughs> no, a no.
1: I feel like that's fine.
2: Dude, there's no there's no there's no evidence.
1: I this. just provided it.
2: There's no evidence.
1: I just provide visual evidence, actually. It's not even that, sh-
2: that Steve Schmidt is behind all of Sarah Palin's rallies where she had kids. No, well, for that I would submit
1: to you. There you go. Mark there's Halprin, no evidence, dude. The Mike, Mark Halperin uh, book, the way uh, with uh, what's his name? Is it there's game, no quotes? Game change. There's game no. Change, there's no screenshots where they where they explicitly discuss how Steve Schmidt yeah. was the one that was responsible for not only picking but choreographing her entire appearance. This is more fake news. And in, in that presidential 2008 campaign.
2: This is conjecture. That's like the definition of conjecture. This
1: is good lawyering, is what it is. So, so many people smug, said
2: in this book,
1: smug, uh, without
2: any evidence. Do you want to read no your, citation? Do you want to read yours again? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I don't even remember what it was. So
2: this is Sherry Jacoba said: twenty sixteen and twenty twenty presidential election in one tweet. Trump, Putin, Manafort, Rove cheating with machine ballots by changing one or two votes per precinct can be undetected. When that was made harder with improved security paper slash mailed ballots. Cheating was out in the open with destroyed mail sorting machines and removing mailboxes. Again, it's like a global conspiracy. I appreciate,
3: I appreciate, I appreciate uh, Holmes working so hard to sell his tweet, which is a fantastic tweet. And the evidence was fantastic. Um, that tweet is crazy, but I think the demonstration of what Holmes provided there um, is what's going to ultimately get him over the top here today. Researched. Well-researched. It's well-researched. And, you know, I, I just feel like with the break that we've had on King of the Hill, I have to reward someone who came in with uh, banker's boxes full of evidence <laughs> and supporting
1: <laughs> documentation. And for that reason, Josh, you win. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I will take it. I'm very excited about this victory. It's a back-to-back win for Steve Schmidt. He's not only on the board, he's now a contender. Yeah. Uh, A good run. All right. Let's get to our interview, Beth Van Dyne. I want to welcome to the program a very interesting woman from the great state of Texas, Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Well, I'm good. I'm good. So unless I'm mistaken, this is your first term, correct?
0: It is. As a Congress first, member. Yeah, this is first, I'm a freshman
1: Congress. Uh, you picked a hell of a time to come in. <laughs> I mean, what do you think of the joint so far?
0: First, the first month alone was uh, quite an experience, right? You know, we had impeachment votes. We had January 6th. We have COVID, you know, where, where, where people are getting um, uh, fined for not wearing masks on the floor. Right. We actually had to go through on you know metal detectors now just to go vote. On um, stagnated votes because people are voting from home, which yeah. we've never done in the history of our country before, but now we've decided it's okay. Um, and some so, of your
1: colleagues have taken the opportunity to just not show up at all, right? I mean, I read a story last week. There was a right. handful that just have basically proxy voted their way through the entire Congress.
0: There's people I haven't met. You know, I've been there 16 months and they have, I, I haven't met them yet. Um, <laughs> and it. it's I don't know how you run a business. I don't know how you run a government. It's definitely not the way to manage a team. Um, it's yeah, it's, it has, it has not been exactly what I expected or I had hoped for, for sure.
1: Well, I I think it's going to look up from here. Um, look, you had a, you had a tough race in 2020. Uh, it was a tight district. My understanding is your district has gotten a little better in redistricting. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. I mean, last, last cycle, um, we, we squeaked by, but I mean, we, we had 17, 17 million, 16, $17 million dollars spent against us. Wow. Uh, they, uh, I think Democrats were convinced that they were going to be able to, to win the seat. They threw everything, but c- the kitchen sink at us. And I think like three and a half million was spent the first week of early voting alone. Uh, this district last cycle, Joe Biden won the district by six, almost six points. Yeah. So I had to outperform. And that's right, Trump right between
1: the- Dallas, Fort Worth area, correct?
0: So the Dallas so Fort Worth Airport is in the middle of the district. So it includes areas of both Dallas and Fort Worth okay, um, and a lot of the cities in between. So it's a very diverse district of heavily urban um, or I guess suburban, I guess heavily suburban district, um, but very diverse district. You know, you got Fortune 500 CEOs who live here and then you've got first generation folks whose families are struggling that live here.
1: You also got a couple of Masters champions who live there, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't Scotty Scheffler from your uh, district? He is. <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> he Spieth, absolutely and is. Spieth too, right?
0: And Jordan. Yeah, Jordan Spieth as well. Yeah, I first met him uh, when I was mayor of Irving, and he played at the Bayard Nelson. And it, yeah, he, he's incredible. Um, and, and in fact, I know one kid that he has mentored since the kid was two years old and just oh. talks about him. Uh, Great guy. Yeah, they're both great guys. We've got some good golf courses. Let's face it, in North Texas. You can play year-round, so it definitely helps.
1: I mean, there's something in the water because you don't get that kind of talent in one spot very often. It must, something must be working.
0: Oh no, no, no. Well, I mean, think about it. For, from a, a sports and athletic perspective, you know, the, the teams that we've got in Dallas, too. Yeah. You know, you got the Mavericks, you've got the Rangers, you got the Cowboys. Yeah, we're definitely known for our sports down
1: here. Oh, that's great. So uh, prior to your service in Congress, you were, I think you were the mayor of Irvin. Is that, is that correct? I was. Um, And, and that, so that kind of, was that your entree into politics or had you been sort of interested in in a part of all this kind of your entire life?
0: So I was on the city council for six years Okay, and then I was mayor for six years. And I, I am a terrible politician. I'm just not a good politician at all. I, I think I'm a very strong elected representative. I'm, I'm, I'm a good you know, representative. I always have been because you know, I listen and then I try to argue and fight for what I hear you know, are the needs in the community. But uh, I first got involved in politics, I guess I got involved in community service when my daughter was first born. So she had nine surgeries on her eye uh, the first year. And wow. as a result, when we'd go to the park, um, she would cover her eye because she was really sensitive to sunlight. And mm-hmm. so I remember going to our parks board, um, our parks committee, and asking if we could get some shade in our park. And uh, before I knew it, I was the parks committee chairman. And <laughs> you know, I've always said, don't bring a problem unless you've got a solution that you're willing <laughs> to be part of. right? So be careful. Be, right. be careful what you complain about. All of a sudden, you're yeah, in became, charge of it. Yes, exactly. So I became the chairman. We pulled together hundreds of people to actually physically build the park. Uh, it was an awesome experience. And then we had a zoning case a few months later. I was asked to go speak with our, our uh, council representative. I spoke with him. It was not a good meeting. Mm-hmm. And when he was up for re-election, I was willing to have, you know, I was going to support anybody who'd run against him. Nobody would. So with a two and a five-year-old in tow, I just threw my name on, uh, on the ballot and it worked. Um, I, mean, that and I got takes out some so-
1: courage. That takes some courage. Yeah. Having your name on the ballot for the first time anyway, takes courage, but then doing that with yeah. two little ones, is that's something else
0: and working for it. I mean, I got outspent eight to one, my first campaign. And I just met with five people that I knew were somewhat involved in in the city politics. I got their support. I asked them to introduce me to five more people, I asked those people to introduce me to five more people. And it was really, you know, guerrilla marketing at its, at its best, but I, I worked my tail off. I think people appreciated that. Um, we had had a really good old boy system up until then. You know, I was the only woman on the council. Um, I was the youngest um, and, you know but but i had a very strong voice and there's often votes you know there's there's nine members of our council total there's the mayor and eight council members and you know there was a lot of 8-1 votes but um i never lost and never lost an election so you know somebody was was paying attention and appreciated the fact that i was was so uh, strong in my convictions
1: yeah well it's, i mean look something must have worked because you've you've as you said never lost an election and now here you are and the country uh, basically being driven off the left-hand side of the map by the Biden yeah. administration and your Democratic colleagues in the House. Um, one issue that I know that you've been working on a lot, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to talk to you, is just immigration in general, problems at the border, Title 42. I don't even know where you want to start with this because I know you've been knee-deep in, in all of it, but it, it certainly is a problem that the rest of the country really needs to focus on.
0: Well, I started, you know, really going down to the border back in uh, 2000, Was it 2014, when we had the massive amount of unaccompanied minors coming to our border during the um, Obama administration when I was mayor, because there were- That's when the kids in
1: cages were not the kids in cages, right? Correct. That was was when they were in, in hospitable facilities that were essentially the same thing as what they called the kids in cages thing.
0: Pages, right. Yeah, a few years makes a ton of difference as is a different administration. Um, But yeah, I went down there because they were trying to force um, folks up in our rec centers, you know, our local taxpayer-supported rec centers that our our community use. So I wanted to go down there firsthand and see what was causing it, talk to the border, uh, you know, Customs and Border Protection folks, and really, you know, work with them. Um, When I was on the city council, we had a, like I, I told you, Irving is a very diverse community. We've got the most diverse zip code in the country. And at the time, we had a number of people who were coming here um, um, illegally and uh, um, were criminals. And Mm -hmm. we ended up having a very strong partnership with Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, where we would, if if one of our police officers arrested someone, they were detained if they could not prove citizenship. ICE was contacted. ICE would interview them. If they were found to be here illegally, they were deported. Mm -hmm. Um, And we actually had a number of deportations. But what we found was our crime rate drastically dropped, and we became the fifth safest city in the country? So, you know, I understand having our local law enforcement in customs and immigration and working together as a partnership. What you can see directly benefits the community and safety in the community. Right. Um. So when I've seen what has been happening over the last 16 months, has been quite frustrating because I've been down there, I've talked to the people who are, you know, working it every day. And they're frustrated. I mean, they've been demonized. I've got members, you know, from, uh, you know, colleagues on the left side of the aisle who have demonized them, who want to cut their budgets further. And right now they are dealing with massive amounts of people who are coming over illegally. They're not able to do their job. And it seems like this administration is hell bent on taking away every single tool that they've got to be able to do their job. And, when you talk to the people who were there under the Trump administration who came up with you know, the policies that were in place, the policies that were working, like the Remain in Mexico policy, yeah, like right. the Title 42 policy, when you talk to them and you figure out why they were reinstated, why those policies were developed, and the success that those policies actually had, they told the Biden administration early on, you have to keep these in place. Mm-hmm. If you were to remove them, this is what's going to happen. And that's why I'm really frustrated because the Biden administration knew from the get-go before they ever messed with, with our immigration policies, what would happen if they did. And they did it anyway. Dallas Observer just, you know, I always get, get smashed by our, uh, our, our <laughs> media.
1: There's no good Republican who doesn't have a hostile relationship with their local media. I'm just telling you. it's, it's a
0: As, <laughs> Dallas Observer just this morning, just this morning was, um, you know, a uh, uh, very critical of of my uh, discussions, of my criticisms on on the Biden administration. Oh yeah, of course. Like, why would
1: you want to? Yeah. Why in the world would you want to secure the border and I don't know, not have ten thousand refugees sleeping under a bridge, right? I mean, good lord, uh, that what what kind of crazy concern is that?
0: When you go down there directly and you see it firsthand, I mean, there's one thing watching it on TV and and oh. seeing it in, in in a very framed perspective, but when you go down there and you see it in the context how massive the problem is, how many people are there, and how many people continue to come through. And then you see the line of buses where they're putting people on and leaving. Hmm. I mean, it is a train through our borders right now, um, and the amount of people coming in. And when you look at, you know, over 2 million people having come in illegally since the Biden administration took over, you could populate three of our US states with a number of people who have come in illegally since right. this administration came in. And then you we don't know who they are, but we do know that the of folks that we know, we've had at least nine hundred people enter this country illegally from countries that want to do us harm just this year, from countries like Yemen and Syria just this year. It's wild. Title forty two yeah, Title Forty Two is like one of the last tools that they can use to turn away um on folks who should not be here. And again, and this, this administration
1: the pandemic provision that uh basically stopped asylum claims into this country uh because of the pandemic right and and had been working it should i mean it's just like the most logical thing in the entire world and the biden administration just reversed it and, and what's funny is a lot of your democratic colleagues who now have skin in the game and they're on the ballot here uh yeah. all of them who were a year ago writing about how inhumane this policy was now that they put a they got rid of it. They're like, well, you know, it wasn't it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Maybe we should maybe we should still have it. With the title 42 now being removed and asylum claims obviously backed up. And is there any sort of projection in your communities about how much worse this can get?
0: Well, I mean, we've you know, again, I've talked to the folks who are down there and they're estimating between 17 and 18,000 people coming over a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't know where they're sending those folks. I mean, it's purposely been been uh, um, um hidden, you know, by the Biden administration. Where, where how does that
1: how does that where work, are they putting right? them? <laughs> I mean, how does that work? I, maybe this is a dumb question, but I'm trying to figure out if you're moving people who are illegally in this country from one destination to another, do you not have some sort of responsibility of notifying people where ultimately these folks end up?
0: You would think you would think but they're not they're
1: That's not incredible to me right
0: people are getting off on planes people are getting off on buses in communities that are completely unsuspecting you know we 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 have seen videos of of people being able to just get off wherever they want they have a card that they of a date maybe to show up in a court but 80% of them don't don't do that so and this is like the, on,
1: that's like the honor system, right? It's like,
0: I realize you broke
1: the law by coming over but I'm sure you could show up in court. No problems.
0: It is. We're going to give you housing. We're going to give you um, free tuition. We're going to give you clothes. We're going to give you health care. Oh, um, but you, should, you shouldn't come here. Um, who wouldn't take that offer up? Right. But, you know, we're so frustrated in Texas. I mean, look at how, how desperate our governor is now that he's getting buses and, and bringing them up to D.C. because this right. administration won't come down won't Come down and see the border themselves, they won't come down and see the context in which they're commenting and creating, you know, that this policy they're creating that problem, but they won't even come down here and face it.
1: Well, that on, was one of the things I was going to ask you is that you have yeah. you had, I mean, look, I, I've talked to a number of your colleagues, some uh, on the border in their districts, and they say they've had basically no contact with the administration whatsoever, right? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the Kamala Borders are thing lasted about three minutes, and she went, I don't know, somewhere 30 miles. El Paso, <laughs> Yeah, right. El Paso, and like that was the end of it. I mean, is that your experience as well?
0: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Right and it's not just my experience, but the folks who work down there. You know, at Customs and Border Protection will tell you the same thing that they really haven't heard. Um, they they see the attacks on them. Um, you know, from from folks on the left side of the aisle, from the media. You know, when they were being accused, as as we all saw videos when they were on horseback and in the water. Oh, yeah, that was the of, of whipping people. And and where where was Biden? You know, where were his folks defending the people who are defending our borders, defending our country?
1: They were oh, thrown out the, them the bus. Yeah, to the contrary, right? The press secretary says that they're now going to outlaw. Well, it was the literally one of the dumbest moments of an incredibly dumb administration. Was was that little snippet of time? And we've
0: seen that um, over and over again. Any policy that was working, they're getting rid of. And I don't know if it's just out of stupidity. I don't know if it's because they actually do have a plan to recreate this country in an image that they think is is somehow better? Or if it's out of spite, if it's because it came in during the Trump administration and they are trying to unwind anything that the former administration did that's working, is it just out of spite? Mm -hmm. But all those motivations um, are negative. They're not good for the the country. They're not good for American people. And quite honestly, they're not good for the people who are coming over. No Who are facing a long trek through Mexico. You know, a third of the women who are being raped, sexually assaulted. Those people who get here that are our human traffic throughout our country. Um, those aren't. Those are not. That's not humane yeah. to do to those people either. It's not. A, it's not an easy life once you get here, and, and the trek up here is deadly. Mm. Um, and then we think about who we're actually helping. You know, we're empowering, we're enriching our drug cartel friends, um, um, um gang members. You know, again, and human traffickers. They have made that from a mom and pop business to now like a Fortune 500 company, billion dollar industries, and it's all at the back. Can do it. We did. They did. And that's um, it's very frustrating because all of it could have been foreseen. When you talk to, to uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he'll tell you that he spent more time in Mexico negotiating the remain in Mexico policy. He told him yeah. that not only was it necessary, but it, they were going to have to do it. And under the former administration, Mexico took it seriously. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize that part of the solution to protecting our southern border is to have a partnership with a country that is immediately to our southern border.
1: Um, <laughs> Seems reasonable.
0: <laughs> and, and, and from day one, you know, the current administration just blew that off and, and lost all credibility on the, on the um, worldwide global stage that uh, foreign, foreign dictators, foreign leaders won't even call us back. Yeah. I mean, think about how far we've fallen in the last 16 months.
1: It's it's truly remarkable. I I want to uh, I want to change topics just for a minute because I want to talk to you about just politics here for a sec. You came in in a a class of really strong young women, uh, which was absolutely essential for the Republican Party for a long time. But really, I mean, surprised everyone with the amount of talent and and incredible voices that were winning in a year where Republicans weren't supposed to win, right? And so now you've got this big, big crew. I imagine that you're heavily involved in trying to ensure that more women come uh, into the conference and more women are participating in Republican politics. How's all that working?
0: It's awesome. Um, we have, a, as you mentioned, incredibly strong group of women. And I think what makes them incredibly strong is none of them used identity politics to get to where they are. Totally. You know, All of them have said, vote for me. They ask for support based on their experience, based on their determination, their vision, their success in um, their backbone. And I think that's how we should be picking and choosing leaders. But one of the interesting things uh, is as much as Democrats claim that they want to have diversity, they want to have it on their side. They don't want right. to have it on the Republican side. And so they end up spending tons more money and are much more um, 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 negative and critical of females and uh, female Republicans and minority Republicans. It's funny and how that results, works out, isn't it? It's amazing how that res- that, that works. But as a result, um, I've been working with a number of my female uh, colleagues to try to get them reelected. And I created uh, a, the Iron Ladies Pack, which was originally just looking at some of the, the freshman uh, Republican women who were in really tough races to make sure that they had the, the resources that they needed to be able to compete. We raised about $400,000 so far for our, our, the other Iron Ladies Pack, but we're growing it now. We're also including um, candidates that are going to come up in the 2022 class. That's we great. want to make sure that we get these strong voices and that, that don't back down and that can talk about issues that, that some others may not feel as comfortable about or just because of their gender, which, you know, that definition has completely changed every <laughs> the last few years. <laughs> well, you know?
1: it depends on who you talk to, right?
0: <laughs> I, I, I gave a speech, I'm going to get off topic real fast. I gave a speech this morning to a, to a high school. Um, and, and one of the things I said was you have to have a strong voice. I said, you know, back in the seventies, it was the, the the war cry of liberal feminists. I am woman. Hear me roar. You can't say that anymore. That's now controversial. We can't even define woman anymore.
1: It's unbelievable. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> the times we live in, right? Totally. Times we live in.
1: Well, we're, listen. We're thankful for for leaders like you and and your colleagues. And I, look, I think we're I think we're heading in the right direction. I think you're going to have a House majority to deal with next fall, which will be a hell of a lot more fun than what you're facing right now. Yeah. But I got three big questions before I get you out of here that I got to ask, and these are the ones that everybody pays attention to, Beth. So this is like, you know, oh no, no pressure. Every, yes. Yeah, everybody's gonna, everybody's going like what you had to say to this point, but this is this is the real deal. So, uh, first question: If you could plan your last meal on Earth, what would it be?
0: Wow. Um. Okay, I'm a lobster hound, but even more than lobster, I love chocolate. So. We have,
1: have everything, right? I mean, covered in
0: chocolate. <laughs> yeah, no, I would definitely want chocolate in a really, really, really good cabernet. But I think more important than that is, you know, it's not just the food that you're eating, but who you're having it. You know, who you're eating with. You and, and my kids, my family would definitely need to be there. And oh, that's you know, great. Especially when you're experiencing a really good wine and, and chocolate. So. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love that. So we're going to go just officially, we're going to throw a lobster in and then we're going to do the wine and chocolate. I think I got it. That's a, that's a good there order. Go.
0: Not <laughs> just wine. Not just wine. A really good cabernet.
1: A really good yeah,
0: Don't screw it up with like, you know, a peanut or something and chocolate.
1: <laughs> oh, I, I would hate to think that I'm in charge of your last meal, Beth, but, but uh, we'll file the order anyway to make sure somebody's taking care of it. <laughs> um, all right. So second question. If you never got into public service at all, if that moment never happened and you had a blue sky amount of time in your life to do anything you could with it, and this is like literally anything you want, what would it be?
0: Um, before I actually got into politics, I mean, being a mom has been amazing. You know, I've got two great kids. I love that. And, and I've always said, you can always be better. And that's something that I've always tried to achieve. But um, that, I think, has been my, my, my greatest uh, accomplishment is I my kids are 23 and 20 now and I've got a great relationship with them but it doesn't make any money it costs a lot of money so if I had to pick a career uh, that I was actually um, um focused on I I did um communications and writing um it's very similar to what I do now but no day was the same you know you didn't know what challenges you were going to get but like crisis communications is really good I, I loved I don't know why but I loved the challenge I loved having to think come up with a strategy and doing research
1: I like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah a technical expertise there. Um, all right. So here's the third question. I got to explain it a little bit because it's a little esoteric, but our view is that everyone is motivated by one of two things, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. And it's not that anybody likes defeat or anybody doesn't like victory. It's what motivates you to keep going. Right. And the, the, the thrill of victory pe- people are like, Glass half full, sunny optimist, always charging up the hill, You know, accomplishment-based people. The agony of defeat people are every success that they've ever had in life lasts about like 30 seconds of excitement. <laughs> and, but every setback that they've ever had is what drives them to try to overcome the next obstacle. And, and so those are the poles of what motivates you. Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne, what motivates you?
0: I would definitely be the agony of defeat kind of person. My mom would tell you, if you ever, she ever drew a line, I had to cross it, right? <laughs> and uh, when people would tell me over and over again, you can't do that. You can't do that. I would always test it, right? I had to prove them wrong. So, I, you know, I look, victory is amazing. Um, it gives you the amount of success that you feel. You can't always be defeated. You know, you have to feel what success is like in order to want to do the next piece, um in order to grow but i think people who have always had success kind of thrown at them and haven't had to work for it you know you don't get to feel the amount of success if you have not felt an equal and balanced amount of defeat mm-hmm. it makes the success that much
1: more sweet totally right totally agree listen um for those listeners who have liked what you you're you're doing here and want to help yeah. you out you have a website or something where they can find you and learn a little bit more yeah.
0: Would love to hear from, from them. Um, Beth4Texas, for, F-O-R, so Beth4Texas.com is our website. Feel free to reach out. Email is Beth at Beth4Texas.com. Love to hear from you. We are also very um, um, active on social media. So come visit us on Instagram, Facebook. Um, Twitter's not a nice place, but you know, it's, we need more. Supporters. We need more supporters on Twitter. I love it on Facebook when you have people going back and forth. You know, people who are plants, obviously, but I, you know, I love it when people are really active on our on our social media. It makes me not have to get as as defensive sometimes. But awesome. uh, we can help out it.
1: with that, Beth, because the that. minions here are the land of the wolves on Twitter. They attack and they and they do not relent. So you've got a small army here that's listening and and very excited about engaging. So congratulations! Love
0: it! I love it! I love it! We need to be as vocal as as the other side and, and as passionate about um, um defending our views and our perspectives. We need, 100%. We need that.
1: A hundred percent. Listen, Congressman Beth, Beth Van Dyne, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Stay in touch. We want to know what you're Definitely. up to and and what your pack and everything is up to here throughout the summer.
0: Awesome. Thank you very much. You take, take care. care.
1: So look, I like her a lot. Uh, she's obviously very smart, super plugged into the issue of immigration amongst other things. Also, you know, a a younger mom that's in Congress who's an important voice for the party these days because as we've seen now, particularly with this electorate expanding and bringing in different voices within the party, I think she's going to be a big deal in the Republican majority next year.
2: Yeah, especially when, like, the Democrats are doing everything they can to ignore all, like, kitchen counter issues. When you actually have Americans who who, who can be a voice for what, this country is facing. Yeah. That's huge. Plus, she hangs out with Spieth, so you got to like that. Hell yeah. Awesome. Well, fellas, I think we did it. Yeah. I mean, I got to say so myself. Three episodes this week, and this is, you know, it's the triple crown of bangers. The banger of an episode gentleman. Uh, so until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.